Hey, this is James Paul White. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming to the podcast and listening to it. Uh, This is week three of the Upper Room Discourse. We are going to finish off John chapter 13. Um, I don't know why I never thought about this, but, you know, I've got my nice little desk here. And uh, instead of sitting over in the chair, I can pull up my, uh, pull up the Bible up on my computer and use that while I'm talking. And uh, so we're going to try this. Uh, I I think this is a good um, work area. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable uh, doing it like this. So let's get started. John 13. We're going to read verses 31 through 38. So here we go. Uh, So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will see me, as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you may, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow, until you have denied me three times. Okay, so so that's John 13, verses 31 through 38, out of the New King James Version. The first couple of verses are interesting. You know, Jesus is talking about God being glorified, and and God's going to glorify him, and why is he going there? It's because once Judas, and it actually says in John, uh, or I know it's earlier in the in the chapter. It's either earlier in the chapter or in John twelve that Satan is the one that influenced him to go and betray Jesus. Once that happened, everything was put into it. You know, one domino fell, the next one was going to fall, the next one was going to fall. You know, Jesus knew that things were put into motion to where he would be arrested, he would be charged with blasphemy, uh, which is ultimately why um, he was brought in front of the Romans. Um, If you read the accounts of what happened... It says that the high priest stood in front of Jesus and said, I, I charge you before the living God to answer, answer my question. He's saying, he's uh, declaring an oath and saying, you know, by the name of the living God, I am demanding you answer this question. Are you the son of God? And he says, I, yes, I am. And, and you will see me. And and when, once he said that, because I mean, he was 
basically making the, his claim that he is divine. He knew that if he was brought in front of them, that once he said that, the high priest was going to tear his clothes. Uh, it was a sign of um, utter disgust. It was a sign of um, repulsion towards what was perceived as sin. And then ultimately, once they brought him to Pilate, they could convince Pilate to crucify Jesus. You know, of course, Pilate tried to wash his hands of the situation and say, you know, I find this man to be innocent, and but he still ordered the, the Roman soldiers to crucify him. Um, so how is God the Father glorified? Well, he's glorified in his wisdom. I got some of this from sermonindex.net, by the way. Uh, he's glorified in his wisdom, his faithfulness, his patience, and his power. As we've said before here, um, Dr. J I'm quoting Dr. James R. White, that if God did not punish anyone and was just a God of love, then he's not a God of justice. And if God punishes everyone because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, that's what Romans 3 says, then he's not a God of love. But by allowing Jesus to take on the punishment that we, that we deserved, it shows God's wisdom. It shows his faithfulness to humanity. God didn't give up on us, even though we had given up on him. It showed God's patience. You know, hundreds of years, even between the life of King David and, um, and Jesus was about a thousand years. And if you listen to my series on the prophecies of Jesus... A lot of the prophecies were in the Psalms. So God was patient in planning this all out and in, in actually following through with the plan. And step by step, he would inspire people and tell, tell people, you know. And, you know, later on, the prophet Isaiah Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities by his, you know, and by his stripes we were healed. So that plan took hundreds of years to trans to actually happen. And of course his power, because he was able in... You know, once Jesus died on the cross, the temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, I might add. And a lot of times we don't we don't think of power, and I think this applies also to Jesus, is that Jesus by and and I say the Father as well, by not 
treating us as our sins deserved. It takes power to withhold that immediate desire to punish or to bring about justice. God is is loving and kind, but he's also powerful in that he does not... If he chose to end the world tomorrow and start all over again with the new... with the millennial reign of Christ. He could. But he chooses not to because things are lined up in his plan for my life and your life and the lives of billions of people. Uh, the Son is glorified in his compassion, his patience, and his power. Jesus is compassionate to, towards those who will later mock him and beat him and ridicule him and the guards that will uh, put a crown of thorns on his head. He's willing to endure that so that they may have eternal life. And I believe some of the people that were involved, whether the ones that put the crown of thorns on his head or the ones that whipped him or the ones that actually crucified him, could have been in the crowd on the day of Pentecost and heard the God, wow, the same one that we killed is risen from the dead. And now it is up to us to repent and turn to God and turn away from our idols and and the desire for power. Uh, Sermon Index talked about the Father being glorified and the Son being glorified. I'm going to add something to that and say that the Spirit is glorified here. Because, see, the Spirit will take what you have and use it for God's glory. Here's someone who, in Judas, who wanted to kind of force Jesus' hand to be a military leader, but the Spirit arranged it so that that's what would start this whole process. I believe the Holy Spirit works behind the scenes in ways that we don't even know. I mean, look at the life of Esther. Um, I believe it was the Spirit that warned Mordecai that someone was going to try to kill the king. Mordecai steps up, does what's right, and protects the king, the Assyrian king. And he is recorded as doing something well. It's put in their record books. Later on, when that king can't fall, fall asleep, he asks for the He asks for it to be read to him, the records, and he's reminded of it, and so he he wants to uh, promote Mordecai and honor him. And of course, that puts him in good light, in good standing with the king. And then when uh, Haman's plot is uh, discovered, when Esther has the courage to 
plead for her life and the life of the Jews, Haman is outed as uh, an evil, selfish man. And the Jews are not only protected from, or allowed to defend themselves, but they are, from that point on, held in high honor. And others, because of that, turn to the faith. So, I just find that interesting. A lot of times, I mean, uh, we're going to talk main, mainly here about verse 34 and 35, but I just think verse 31 and 32 is important. So much so, we don't need to skip over it, because what happened on the cross did glorify God, and it did glorify Jesus. And I also believe it glorified the Holy Spirit. Let's get to verse 34, which is, uh, I believe, the most important verse here. Uh, Verse 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, I talked about this some on the video on Tuesday. Uh, By the way, I'll be posting a new video tonight as well. Um, It doesn't say that... we tolerate, if we tolerate one another, or if we put up with one another, or if we don't argue with one another, it says that we are to love one another. And that's how the whole world will know that we are his disciples. But I want to reference um, Matthew 7, 12, because let me type that in. I really think We forget about this. Uh, this is the golden rule. And it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Um, I've been kind of harping on some ministers buying private jets and buying ex- extravagant homes and and spending money in, in ways that I don't think is appropriate for those of us who are in the clergy. And the reason is, it goes back to Matthew seven twelve. This is how we love people. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Um... Now, I understand that some people are famous and uh, will often buy a plot of land and put a house in the middle of it and have an, you know, and they want to get away from people when they're at home and they want to have that privacy. I get that. Uh, in fact, I know, I know where, and I know this because I graduated from Oklahoma State, uh, I know where their football coach lives. Uh, His name's Mike Gundy. And what they did with that property is they put uh, a large, um, dirt, um, like a, 
almost like a barrier between the ha- between the road and you can't see over the hill it's like a mini hill and then they put planted grass over the top of it but from the road all you see is a fence and then you see a driveway and then there's a gate and then there's a camera and you have to type in a password and then the gate opens and you drive through but there's this big kind of mound there and you can't see around it obviously you can't see over it and it's to protect from the road where you can't see his house um sometimes people that are famous have to do things like that i get it but you have to ask yourself Am I doing what I can to help other people? And here, there's a, a quote from. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I, I like John Wesley. Do. And he said. This is one of my favorite quotes from John Wesley. Do all the good that you can. By all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. So, if you spend five, six million dollars on a house, yeah, you'll have a great big mansion, but... If you had bought a house for a million dollars instead, you could have used the other money to help other people. If you spend $50 million on a jet aircraft instead of a couple hundred thousand dollars on an RV, the money, the difference between the two could have been used to help others. And I know some people will say the poor you'll always have among you. But we've got to do a better job. We as in leaders of living out our faith, doing the right thing, and not um, living the extravagant lifestyle. Um, it says the whole world will know that you are my disciples now I understand that some people criticize some of these televangelists out of spite and envy and, and I get all that what I'm saying to you is that you are called even some people believe in tithing and some people don't. I, I think it's a biblical concept. But what you do with that other 90%, yeah, if you, even if you give 10% to God, what you do with the other 90% and how you spend money is a reflection of your beliefs. It's a reflection of your spirituality. It's a, it's a reflection about 
that tells the world about your relationship with God and with other people. Now, your first priority needs to be your family. You need to pay your bills. You need to take care of your, your kids. You need to take care of your family. But to truly say that we love one another, you know, love is an action. You know, we, when we're generous and kind to others, then we are being truly loving. So, and it says, the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The, the interesting thing that I find is that people have a hard time today, in, especially in today's world, of being respectful of other people who are sharing a point of view that you don't agree with. Now, one of my favorite Bible teachers is Dr. Michael Brown. And I mentioned him in the video as well. But if you watch his debate with Dr. James R. White, he doesn't attack him personally. He doesn't say things that are disrespectful. He, he holds Dr. White in high regards, as I do. And he's totally respectful, even though... They don't agree. That's something that we need to do more often. And I will, um, I'll tell you that Dr. James R. White is a, a Calvinist, uh, believes in predestination. He believes that Jesus only died for the elect. And there's things that he teaches that I don't agree with. But he has defended the Christian faith in debates against Muslims and other religions. He has gone to Russia and South Africa and other places around the world to teach and to equip believers. He is... Um, I think they started um, Alpha and Omega Ministries uh, with the idea that they were going to go up to Utah. They live in Arizona. They, go, they used to go up to Utah all the time and reach out to Mormons. And he j it just kind of grew from there. So... I have a tremendous amount of respect for Dr. White. But we don't agree on everything. But you'll you'll never hear me bash him on on this podcast ever. I don't agree with everything that Kenneth Copeland does, but he is a believer in the Lord. He's a Bible teacher and Kenneth Copeland Ministries has been extremely generous. When I worked at a prison, they donated Bibles 
in, in other books, and I work in a hospital, and I'm not going to say where, because I'm not going to talk about my day job here. But he's donated Bibles to that facility. So, and Joyce Meyer was has been very Joyce Meyer Ministries has been very generous. She, she donated a whole truckload full of books to the prison I used to work at. So, I want to get to this last section. I really don't want to talk a whole lot about it, just because I don't want to leave with I think this is a great example verses 36 through 38 of we know Peter messes up later on Jesus flat out tells him you're going to deny me and Peter's really zealous and, and eager and I honestly believe that not only did Judas want Jesus to be be this military leader to kick the Romans out, I think Peter did too. And when Peter grabbed that sword and tried to cut the head off of that one temple guard, and obviously he missed because he only got the ear. But... I think once he realized and saw Jesus heal the guy. Think about it. Jesus heals a temple guard. One of the temple guards that was there to arrest him. And Jesus heals the man. That is grace. That is one of the best examples in the Bible of of grace. But when Peter saw it, he realized, oh, wait a minute. Jesus isn't going to start a revolution. Jesus isn't here to kill these temple guards. He's not going to proclaim that he's some military leader that's going to... It's going to say, all right, it's now time to kick the Romans out of here. Peter didn't know what to do with himself. And so they fled. But that's not the end of the story. Because later on, you know, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Then he asks him a third time. And Peter weeps. But the same Peter that denied Jesus three times was later crucified upside down for the cause of Christ. Now, how does that apply to our lives? Uh, one of my roommates is out in the hallway talking pretty loud. Um, basically, here's the bottom line. Even when you mess up, if you repent, And turn back to God. God can still use you. Don't think that just because you messed up. 
But that's the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. First John one nine says that if we if we rep- if we repent, if we ask for forgiveness, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So, thankfully, it's the end of our podcast. So, um, anyway, next week we will start John fourteen. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to put out another video as well. So I hope that you would take the time to watch it. Um, I'm not picking on Kenneth Copeland. I just, I, I really hope that, I would hope that one day him and I could have a conversation. And I could look at him and say, hey, um, this money could be used for better purposes elsewhere. So we'll see what happens. Um, This is what happens when you have roommates. So anyway, uh, you may not even be able to hear it. I don't know. Um, But we ask for grace from God, and we need to give grace to others. And I think this is a perfect example of me giving grace to my roommate. Because I think he's just a little excited about something, and he's talking with a friend of his. So, anyway, I hope that you have a great weekend. Stay safe. You know, Memorial Day weekend. Um, I, I've never taken a public stand on the vaccines, but I will tell you that I got mine in January. Um, I was a little lethargic the next day. After the second shot, but after other than that, I was fine. Um, I would encourage as many people to get vaccinated as possible. We need to put an end to this pandemic and move on with our lives. So, anyway, I hope that you have a wonderful uh, holiday weekend. And uh, like I said, please pray for this ministry that uh, we will be able to uh, one day travel and teach. But also please pray that uh, God will give me wisdom because I feel like I've finally got an idea for a book. And I'm going to start working on that soon. So, love you guys. Thank you for listening. A special thank you to the faithful few who have been here since uh, the beginning I appreciate you. I love you guys and gals, and I will see you next week. Bye.